0: EFTM
1: Tech
2: Cars Lifestyle This is the EFTM Podcast With Trevor Long
3: EFTM
2: G'day, g'day Welcome to the EFTM Podcast Trevor Long here Happy to help you out with your tech Talk about some cool tech And whatever else is going on in the world Uh, We digress now and then you know, we're allowed to talk about other things, and I've got, I've got a bunch to talk about today. In fact, um, I'm going to talk today to someone I interviewed over 10 years ago, nearly 11, 10 and a half years ago for sure. Um, and look, he did okay for himself, went on to become a squillionaire, but I respect that. Jealous, envious, but I respect it. Um, because hard work paid off, and I think that's what's awesome. And it's a—it's not a startup story because I, oh, I hate the word startup. I really do. Um, not a massive fan, never have been. But this is just a small business did well, became a big one, is still a huge player today. And that is the story of Catch.com.au or Catch of the Day, as it was known back then. So i talked to Gabby Liebowitz uh, about that business and what they did with that business. Um, given that um, that he's now got a book out about that, and uh, there's a reason why you should buy the book. Uh, not just because of what 's in it so i'll i 'll talk to him about that shortly um, uh, Thank you for downloading Thank you for listening it 's important that you do that every single week, otherwise I get demoralized by the numbers um we i 'll talk to you a little bit later uh about um, that awesome competition i 've got if you don 't know about it, then stand by. I will also uh take you on a little journey. Uh, that I've been going on, um, which I documented for the first time this week. Um, if you're a 2Bikes Talking Tech listener, you'll be broadly wherever. But, um, yeah, I think it's, uh, it's, it's time to have a little conversation about my waistline. But um, I've been doing it via an app, so um, it's actually pretty darn cool. We've got a bunch of calls. We're going to talk TVs. We're going to talk baking. That'll blow your mind. Um, and uh, and many, many more things uh, here on the EFTM podcast. So just stay listening. EFTM. This is the EFTM podcast. EFTM podcast. And we're taking your calls. If you've got a question, happy to help EFTM.com, the place to go to send me a question. Just click ask. Trev, good day, Darren.
3: Hey, Trev, how are you doing? Yeah,
2: real good, mate. What can I do for you?
3: Uh, i am just got uh, a couple of queries. Uh, I've got an iPhone 6. Yep. And I'm wondering when you'd be able to probably – be able to tell me when they'll become obsolete, like, yeah, they won't function properly or, yeah, if they'll run. So
2: so iPhone 6, not 6S, um, has already, I think, stopped getting iOS support. Uh, Well, full update, so you probably aren't running iOS 14. Uh, The 6S has iOS 14. I'm pretty sure the 6 itself doesn't. So you're kind of already on that edge, right? So you're not going to get the whiz-bang new operating system features. But... I would still say, if the phone's still in working condition, you're you're a year away from any app, you know, starting to underperform because no app is going to stop supporting iOS 13, for example. Um, yeah. So it's really now that moment where you need to start thinking about it. And to be honest, Darren, now's the time because have you got the 6 or the 6 Plus?
3: Uh, the 6, true.
2: So the standard 6 is slightly bigger in form than the iPhone 12 mini and the iPhone 12 mini's got a bigger screen. I mean, it's a much... Like, it's leaps and bounds ahead. Now would be an amazing time to upgrade your phone. Um, but to be very clear, I think that phone will work for another 12 to 24 months. The worst thing that's going to go wrong with that phone physically is the battery just not lasting as long during the day. And you can get that replaced at an Apple store. So, you know, you don't even need a new phone. You can just get a new battery put in. But I don't think that would be a great investment unless you knew someone you were going to pass that phone down to like a kid. Um, otherwise, mate, I would I would just, uh, you know, upgrade.
3: Yep, thanks for that information, Trev. Uh, the other one I had was uh, I'm looking into getting a mini hi fi system. I didn't want a big big head banger, like big, big humongous thing, but just with a confined space and that. But yeah, I was wondering what your thoughts are, and probably your top two so when it comes when to mini, mini hi fi systems. What, what are
2: you looking for? What Are you playing physical oh, like, CDs or?
3: Yeah, if, uh, well, yeah, it, it doesn't have to be. Four or five, you know, four or five that go in, go in, and it's random on a yeah.
2: But you still
3: but probably, want to yeah. play CDs? Yeah, CDs. Uh, naturally, Dolby sort of, uh, not Dolby, digital radio, and yeah, uh, the cassette doesn't. No, not
2: really. You know, the doesn't bother one, me there. The best you know, one I've, I've seen yeah. is still out there, and Sony. It's got to see. It's definitely got a CD player. Um, is there? I don't know what it's actually called, but it's about three hundred fifty bucks, and it's a Sony. Ooh. So, I mean, that for me. Look, like there's not a lot of these things out there, let's be clear. I mean, if I quickly look at JB, they've only got Panasonic and Sony. Um, you know, nice, big, reasonable size speakers for a micro hi-fi system. Um, it's got a USB plug-in, so if you want to run your iPod through it, you, you can. It's also critically got Bluetooth, right? So you can just Bluetooth from your phone and take advantage of that normal speaker system. In between playing CDs, you can stream or play music off a streaming service. So... I think, to be honest, 350 bucks is probably the most I would pay for a micro hi-fi system these days, given they're pretty much, you know, in, in short supply, given, you know, the demand for them. Um, yeah. But Panasonic have one for $169. And you'd have to be pretty good audio file to notice the difference between the two, I'd reckon, and both of them oh, have Bluetooth, yeah. both of them have CD. Oh, yeah. Oh, great.
3: Yeah, thanks very much for that. And All just right. the final one, I wanted to completely nut the three yeah. wax there, Trev. Uh the portable Bluetooth uh, waterproof uh, speakers and that. Yeah, I'm just sort of wondering what your thoughts are on there. What's What What are the probably a couple of good ones on the market there?
2: Yeah, look, JBL, Sony would be my first port of call. Sony make mm-hmm. their extra bass speakers and they have some, you know, splash-proof versions of those, waterproof. I mean, none of these things you want to throw in a pool, but all of them can sit <laughs> yeah, on the edge. Yeah. The great thing about a, a properly water-resistant or waterproof speaker is it can sit on the edge of the pool and you can do a dive bomb and splash it, but that's not a problem, right? That's that's what we mean by that water resistant yeah. waterproofing. Um, right. J, JBL, I love not just because they're supporters of UTM, but because um, they've basically got one in every price point. So there's like a ninety nine, one um, hundred fifty yeah. nine, two hundred. You know, they're pretty much it's a budget dependent thing. And they remember, the more you spend, the bigger the sound. So it really just depends yeah. how big that outdoor area is that you want to you want to fill with music, mate. Yeah, that's
3: the reason why I say waterproof is a the case they you know, like climbing in Australia lately you see it on the TV and all like, that. just the downpour You can suddenly just all get, you know, you can't get to it for the yeah. two or three minutes to a and That's why I said waterproof. So. Yeah,
2: yeah, That's ab- absolutely what you're going to get with those. So yeah, Sony, yep. Extra Base and JBL would be my uh, my two preferences for you, champ.
3: Thanks so much for that, Trevor. I really appreciate your time. I really yeah, enjoy your show. I mentioned the podcast and all that, mate. So thanks very much for uh, your contact tonight. Well, mate, thank you for getting it, in
2: touch and uh, good luck with those. Uh, happy shopping, mate. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Trev. Cheers, buddy. And if you've got a question like Darren, happy to go virtually shopping for you uh, to try and help you out with your next purchase. So um, there's one week left to win an Xbox. There's one week left to win a PlayStation 5. Um, So actually, this is born out of my rant last week. Um, I think it was last week where I was just going on about how it's very hard to crack it for article reads and views and things on Facebook and YouTube and the like. And it just got me thinking about how we could kind of interact with each other better. And, you know, you have a lot of options. I actually did a bunch of tests. I tested having a WhatsApp group. I tested SMS directly to people. And SMSs was ruled out pretty quickly because I think people see that as a very personal one-to-one communication, not a way of getting information like, you know, articles on a website. So I get that. WhatsApp group is a little bit more receptive, but, you know, you can only have 250 people in that group. So that's going to be a lot more work to build multiple of those. So it, I kind of went nowhere, but then I thought, you know what, maybe I just need to live with this algorithm that we have. Maybe I need to embrace this algorithm and just, just grow it. Um, and it's a constant problem. And I think um, a lot of people maybe don't realize, but one of the things you do on Facebook is you put something up and then you boost it. So often we've put up like a giveaway or something and we've boosted it so that the more people click like, uh, the more people enter. And so that's a way of gooding, getting good boosts. But you know what? Um, it often, it used to be cheaper, but in recent months or years, it's like 2 or $3 just to get a like. You know, so if you boost a post for $100... Um, you might only get 30 or 40 new likes on your page. And also those people are unlikely to really know what you do. So I thought, well, how do we reward the people that are there now and also encourage a bit more of it? And that's where I thought, you know what, bugger, I'm going to buy an Xbox. So I bought an Xbox on day one, just went and bought one under control. The boys at the gamesman had one in stock. I bought it straight away. Uh, And I bought an extra controller just for something, you know, something unique. So we've had a couple thousand entries in that one, which is awesome. And really, the only requirements there are to join my email newsletter, like the Facebook page, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. And two days later, the the PlayStation went on sale. I thought, you know what, bugger it. I rang Daniel at the gamesman. I said, please tell me you've got one left on launch day stock. And he said, mate, I do. It's yours. Uh, So I sent him my credit card. Actually, I made a bank payment on that one because I couldn't find my wallet. Um... And I only use Apple Pay and I couldn't get to the store. So I sent him a bank transfer for the PlayStation 5 money and again, another controller. Plus I bought a few extra controllers for the kids at home and I got a PlayStation. And now I thought I went a little bit different on this one. There's a cool thing called Gleam, which is like a competition module you can you can use. And I went, what are the mechanics here? And so one entry in the competition might be to sign up to the newsletter. One entry might be to subscribe to the Facebook page, the YouTube channel. And you know what? If you refer a friend... So if you tell your mate and your mate enters via the link that you sent him, you get five entries. He gets his entries and can do more from there. Kind of, this is not new to me. This is what we do on radio and have done for years. You know, refer a friend competitions, a car a day for the month of May, whatever it is. That's why WSFM give away so much money. They want you listening for longer. They want you engaged in the content. It, that's what giveaways are for. And so we've always had a good result with giveaways. So I thought, let's just do it. So, you know, I've spent a couple of grand on consoles, but I can tell you right now, the YouTube channel's done really well in terms of number of subscribers and the Facebook page is doing well as well. Now, having those people then engage in the content is a whole other problem um, and getting them to watch those videos or or, or read the page, another, another situation. But if you get my email newsletter, you would have also got a special code in that for the PlayStation draw. And if you're in the EFTM man cave on Facebook, there was a special code there. So an extra incentive to be a little bit closer to the family, if you like. So that's that's what I did there. That's why I did it. There's no sponsorship involved. It's my money um, because I'm trying to build this thing. I'm trying to grow this audience and, and create an engaged audience. Uh, our audience is super, um, super niche. I know there's women listening. In fact, a lot of uh, I think the skew of callers here is higher. I think women are more likely to ask the question. Um, but we have an 88 percent male audience on both the web, on Apple News readership, on Facebook, everywhere. It, it's it's male skewed, which is perfect because that's what I target. Is EFTM is everything for the man um, with no concerns over uh, any woman lis- reading, listening, doing anything. It's just when I speak. I speak to men when I when I write. I write for men, but there should be no uh, offence taken by any woman by reading that stuff. Which is why I always said at the very start of EFTM, it's um, it's a uh, it's a uh, men's magazine without the tits and bums. That's what I said at the start. You know, I don't need a woman in a bikini to make the HomePod look good. HomePods a great product. If just because I've got an Audi R8 doesn't mean I need some topless woman there to make it a better looking car. It doesn't change. People are going to come to find those articles just for the photos. I'm not here for the photos. I'm here for the content. So that's why we do what we do and, and try and do it in a non-clickbaity way. That's the other thing I don't like is clickbait, which is why you'll find the prices of products in the headline in most cases for my stuff. Um, I don't know. That's that's just me. That's just my thing. So, But I think the reason, and the PlayStation, by the way, the entries are two or three to one on the Xbox, um, which again goes to show the interest in, in the device, which I always imagined. The other thing is, I think this only works with great prizes, right? I don't think it works with a Bluetooth speaker. So the big question for you is, what should I give away next? Don't be crazy. I'm not going to buy a car, but what should I give away next? What's a desirable item which will attract attention? What is a desirable item which will attract attention? Let me know and I will contemplate that very item that's my next giveaway here at EFTM. Thank you for listening. It's uh, it's the most loyal who are podcast listeners. But also, again, we've got to do something about that. We've got to grow that audience too. It's all about audience growing, growing, growing. Fun and games here on the EFTM podcast. This is the EFTM podcast. The now, my next guest, uh, in the lines of Jerry Seinfeld, I don't know if you know the the, uh, the joke he tells about McDonald's in America, they've got big signs up. Um, And they used to say, you know, 10 billion served or 10 billion burgers sold. And Jerry Seinfeld tells the old story. He goes, you don't need to count anymore. We got it. You're doing very well. Well, I I love this story. I love a story of anyone doing well. I'm always jealous of people who do well. But gee whiz, Catch of the Day, or Catch as it's just known now. But back in the day, Catch of the Day was something very different to what it is now. But it alone created an empire and created a success story like... Uh, very few others in this country, and I'm I'm pleased to say that founder, co-founder of Catch of the Day, Gabby Lebovich, joins me on the line. G'day, Gabby.
4: Hi, Trevor. Great to be here with you again.
2: Mate, it was, uh, if I turn around and look at my other computer, it was the 20th of May, 2010, when we first spoke, I believe, uh, on okay. this on this very podcast um, under a different name and different things. But gee whiz, mate, 10 years ago, we were talking about a really cool idea for a daily newsletter that provided a really great deal for Australians to buy directly from a website. It was the start of something massive for you.
4: Uh, it's true, uh, Trevor. The, start, the site actually launched in uh, October 2006, so four years before we first chatted. But uh, to be honest, for those four years, we were very much in under-the-radar business. Mm. We were under the radar for a lot of reasons because very few people were actually selling online Uh, The media was hardly reporting about online. And most sellers that we approached actually told us to uh, piss off because they don't like to sell. They only like to sell to people that have a physical retail space. So how the world has changed.
2: (laughs) (laughs) And you must love kind of sitting back now and thinking – well, you passed us by and there would be businesses that kind of passed you by that have now either disappeared or are struggling because they didn't embrace the uh, the online world, which you, which you did. What was the evolution for you early on from that original idea of a product a day? Was that always just a plan to build something bigger or was that always, was that just uh, your, your original idea that simply evolved?
4: Look, Back in 2006, when we launched Catch of the Day, most people laughed at us and thought to themselves, what a silly idea of selling one deal a day. But uh, roughly around the first time we spoke, we also became Australia's most watched online shopping site. That happened in August 2008. Uh, this business very much grew by word of mouth, people telling their friends about the crazy deals that they could find on Catch. Everyone loves to rave about the bargain that they find. And uh, things definitely started uh, started kicking along around that, uh, around that period. You know, Today, you, Catch- you
2: just said uh, Australia's most watched online shopping site. Now, I can tell you right yeah. now, Yep. Those are the exact words you used in our interview ten years ago, um, and they also words that you mention in your book, and that's why we're talking. You've got a book out called Catch of the Decade, which it's it's a kind of tale of two stories here because it's a it's an inspirational story of business in Australia. But it's also yep. a, almost a how-to guide for, for founders and entrepreneurs and business people generally because if I look at the, the few pages on media, you talk about the importance of having a relationship, about having a message, and that message yep. is exactly what you write in this book.
4: That, that is absolutely correct. When we set out to write this book, we really wanted to really inspire the next generation of Australian entrepreneurs. But what I found right now, the book's been out for about 10 days and people are finishing it very quickly. They're loving it and they're learning so many lessons that can be transferable to, to large businesses, but also to a small business or just a student looking for uh, looking for ideas or looking for that drive to just get out there and, uh, and do it. So I think we're very proud of what was produced here. And, and people People are just loving it. It's number one on both Booktopia and Amazon, business uh, books
2: right now. It's do, great. Do you, um, do you think it's an important story of, of longevity? Because I, I fear uh, in our youth of today, there's this instant gratification required. And this is a story of hard work. This is a story of, of two people who worked their asses off to build something mm-hmm. they believed in. And it paid off, but it certainly didn't happen overnight.
4: Yeah. So around the same time we spoke in 2010, I also turned 40. And there's the old line of it took me 40 years to become an overnight success. <laughs> but, you know, in the book, we detail how we, you know, uh, killed each other being at, at, at Melbourne markets at 4 a.m. in the morning when, when I was 18 and got my first license. And we explained the whole trajectory of where we learned retail, working on a store, a store floor, something similar to a JB Hi-Fi or uh, Good Guys. In many ways, we consider ourselves as, you know, accidental entrepreneurs because mm. when we got onto online shopping, no one saw the opportunity and all we wanted to do is have, have a job but just to, to pay for the bills and the rest seemed to have happened. But um, nothing happens be, without, you know, great executions and, and so many other uh, elements that need to uh, get into it and, and we talk about many of those in the book.
2: So at what point, oh, I'm curious, um, in the journey 2006 through to today, at what yeah. point did you realize that what you were building was something that was essentially valuable? It was a property that um, not only was it a business that was worth something, but it was a property potentially worth selling. Because that's one of those funny things about entrepreneurs. Some of them go into it wanting to find that sale. Like it's that whole become a unicorn and, you know, make the money. But I just don't get the sense that was you guys. I get I get the sense you guys were literally just building something awesome. And then one day uh, it kind of dawned on you that this could, be made even bigger perhaps through investment, or was it just that it was time for you to focus on other things?
4: So, again, back in 2006, not many people were using the word startup. Uh, We both don't come from the financial space. We didn't understand the whole value in raising money. And we just look at ourselves as old-fashioned retailers. And what does it mean? Every day, every week, every month, every year, we had to be profitable. And if we're not profitable and very profitable, then we don't have a business. Uh, back towards the end of 2010, and we talk about that again, we started getting approached by every uh, VC around the world because we started making all those lists of, you know, BRW, fastest yep. 50, fastest 100, and everything else. And and the media started uh, spotting us. And uh, we actually sold 40% of the business to a large VC in 2011. Long story short, we ended up buying that 40% back in 2016 because we wanted to be a family business again. Right. Um I'm trying to give you the short version yeah. but there's uh, 304 pages that detail it <laughs> <in>. <laughs> that give you the long version.
2: <laughs> and and I think that family vision is also a really nice part of the story isn't it that um that you know you can as a family create something build something, own something. But then at some point, and again, I hate the term startup. I hate the term entrepreneur in many ways, but yep. startup specifically because it, it's kind of indicates a business that's not making money to me. But also the term exit is a funny one too, isn't it? Because it's like you're exiting a business. Why would you want to exit something you created? But at some point you do need to, I guess like a child, you need to understand that they're an adult now and they need to grow up and, and, and be with the world. So, yeah, I mean,
4: I think we always knew that at some stage uh this business will become larger than uh, larger than us, so to yeah. speak. And after doing it for close to uh close to thirteen years, uh we felt that the time was right and uh West Farmers approached us that moment was certainly a pinch me moment. Australia's mm. largest retailer, the owner of Bunning, Kmart, Target and Office Officeworks, uh, is interested in catch. And, uh, mm. you know, I detail in the book how when I met their uh, top management, I, I literally started crying. It was 13 years of, of hard work and, and dedication for myself, my brother and the team. Uh, and uh, that was a tremendous acquisition for them and i know that this business will continue to lead the australian market compete against you know uh, crazy companies like amazon and ebay and uh, today everyone knows how strong the business is and it's yeah definitely a market leader so i'm very proud of of all of that
2: so i got to be honest with you gabby i always associated your name with catch um yeah. every every day every time i heard it that's yours was the name that that i i thought of but and I did know that your involvement in Scoopon, um, because you created that concept, and that was a growing concept back at the time in terms of this yep. whole group buying thing. But I am not going to lie; I had no idea that MenuLog was you. I mean, so that that's just a mind blowing <laughs> addition to. Like, see, just think about it here for a minute, Gabby. You couldn't have written, you could have written a book just about catch. And your story there, yeah. but no, no, yeah. no, rather than talking about a $200 million, uh, you know, sale and, and a big win and a windfall for you as a family and, and a big endorsement of you as a businessman, as an entrepreneur, yeah. as an ideas man. Uh, no, no, that's, that's, that's the smallest part of the story.
4: Uh, it's the most part of the story, and When I think of myself, I think of catch and catch of the day yep. first and foremost. Yep. The, the menu. Well, just to correct you to your audience, MenuLog is not us. We built a competitor to MenuLog, and we started building it in 2012. Yep. And the, the business was called uh, Eat Now. Eat Now. Yep. And and within uh, two and a half years, Eat Now became the you know the ultimate number two in the market. And in the book, we discuss the concept of one plus one equals three.
2: Yeah.
4: Of uh, of merging two large entities and forming a a larger successful company. And that's exactly what we did with uh, Menulog. We uh, merged it merged Now with Menulog. That happened in February of 2015. And uh, suddenly we owned about 95% of the food delivery in the market. Yeah. Uh, we all know what it is right now because we all you know, use Menulog and uh, Deliveroo and Uber Eats, of course. But back in 2012, not many companies or people saw the opportunity. Yep. Long story short for your audience, Menulog ended up selling to a large English company called Just Eat, and that happened in uh, May of 2015 for the crazy sum of $855 million. Can you believe
2: it? I mean, I can't. Uh, but what I, <laughs> what I can't believe is that in 2015, and I think it yeah. is hard for people to think back five years from, from, from today, go backwards and think about the idea of opening an app or a website and ordering food. It just didn't happen. I mean, we had food delivery, didn't we? But it was ring. You know, hopefully you had the pamphlet, the menu uh, stuck Correct. up on your fridge, and yep. hopefully that was still valid, and hopefully you could ring them. But you know, the idea today that I can just be sitting in my office and within a couple of clicks have food come to my door—how on earth did you foresee that? Was it a noticing what was happening in other places in the world at the at the bottom level of the ideas run and and implementing it here, or was it pure genius? <laughs>
4: the, the, the the truth is all, all of our ideas were, were not original mm. and we're talking the in the early part of the book about the concept of it is better to uh, copy and excel than be original and uh, and, and fail. I
2: and would argue catch- that's Apple's strategy.
4: Look, and and many others. Catch of the Day was based on an American company called Wartons. Groupon was based on an American model called Groupon that everyone knows. And and, and food delivery apps were becoming quite hot around that period, uh, both in the USA and America. But one thing that we have realized is that the world is moving to digital, and yeah. just like e-commerce did and food did, we can see right now companies like High Pages listing, and many others will will will, will come uh, in 2021. It is so great to see that you know our vision, that probably started you know a decade and a half ago, is definitely coming to fruition right now. And as they say, the more the world has moved digitally for a period of about 10 years. Uh, in a period of about 10 weeks during COVID.
2: Isn't it amazing? Don't you think this mm. this period, um, you could never have imagined uh, no one, th- anyone that says they imagined it is lying, uh, imagining the escalation of digital for both online shopping, um, video conferencing, uh, food delivery, every basically every part of the innovation cycle that was bubbling Absolutely. along beautifully and had a five-year trajectory for essentially to get to where we are today, had Five years of of trajectory growth in six months. It is staggering.
4: Look, Trevor, I think about it every day as I read the financial papers because let's let's be honest with each other. My business that we sold to West Farmers is worth today probably (laughs) 10 times more than what we sold it for. (laughs) And as you mentioned, it's not because we were stupid. We simply got our timing wrong, but then again, no one saw corona coming. We knew that the business will keep on growing, and we knew that it will get there within five years or a decade, and uh, we probably were too scared to take the risk and compete against companies like eBay and Amazon. But what happened over the next six months is just something out of uh, you know uh, a dream slash nightmare. Depends which side of the equation you sit on.
2: And you know, I think, Gabby, I don't have the uh, any such instance in my life where I look at it and I go, you know, could we have waited for an extra two hundred million? But I think you look at it and you go. Let me say this to you. It could have been the complete opposite. It could have been that Amazon's launch in Australia absolutely just ruined the market for anyone else. It could have happened. Um, So, you you know, you may have exited at the perfect time in that scenario. No one foresaw a pandemic. Everyone knew that online shopping was going to grow, but how much more of your time and your family life might that have taken away from you? And I I suspect that you're a man now who has uh, an unbelievable quality of life in terms of the way i'm not talking about money i'm talking about time with family the things that you've benefited from having exited that business um far outweigh any potential uh, money that might have come into your pocket
4: look you're absolutely right and that's exactly what was going through our head uh, during 2018 and in the book we discussed the point of us uh, possibly listing the company at the end of 2018 and for some reason, the uh, the listing got cancelled. Mm. Uh, the market was a bit choppy at the time, and we say that both our brothers were very happy when that happened, because you know, when you get to know us, you'll see that we're simple people. We like to wear shorts and songs. We don't take life too seriously, and we were just absolutely not suited to be the you know founders, leaders, owners of of an ASX listed company. And uh, I think that we chose the right
2: path. Yeah. And you, mentioned, you actually mentioned um, uh, attire at one point in the book when you're talking about Melissa Shoyer, who uh, you worked with yeah. in the, at the PR group, who I have a great relationship with. She, you know, she's a PR person. She gives me stories and, and she represented you beautifully back in the day. And I think you said something along the lines of um, – you know, she, or she she wrote in the book in in a paragraph or two that you text her just after um you, you met and you yeah. you said I'm glad you wore jeans. If you'd want a suit, yeah. we would never have hired you. It is it is a it is a big difference between a kind of approach to, to business in just how you approach your wardrobe.
4: Look, and again, I think one of the main reasons that Catch was successful is the kind of culture that we managed to build in that business. As I've written that book, lots of people are reading it right now. I'm getting so much feedback from ex-employees, you know, thanking us about the amazing ride that they've experienced. And all know that they will never experience that feeling ever again, whether it's at Catch or any other company we've built something very very special we try to explain how we built it in the in the book but to be honest talking about culture is probably one of those things that i find the hardest Yes. how did we do it you know it's what is it you magic- did it
2: naturally you didn't you didn't plan a culture the way you you it created it it was just the, your natural way of being i'm guessing yeah.
4: Absolutely. I mean, I, I did what I thought was was right, and you know, we I think I think we 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 nice, simple people. We like to enjoy uh, life and enjoy work, uh, but at the same time, we're also hard workers, and many of those qualities have rubbed onto what we like to call entrepreneurs. You know, those leaders within the business mm. that uh, that do it blindly when the when the owner is not around, and uh, yeah some reason or, or another, we managed to build a, a tremendously happy place. And when, customers, when when your workers are happy, they will always give you more. They will not want to move on to another company. And, um, you know, yeah. we managed to build some amazing businesses.
2: Just quickly before you go, um, I'm curious as to your thoughts on Ruslan Kogan then because you mentioned different things about how you approached the ASX listing and getting in and being a, a CEO I mean, he, uh, you know, I guess you're, you're strong competitors in many ways over the years once Catch became the full uh, service, you know, warehouse delivery um, online shopping side. Um, Ruslan stuck solid, I guess, as a CEO, as a ASX listed CEO, the company's doing very well. What, how do you view Ruslan and his approach to these things?
4: Look, I've got nothing but admiration for to Ruslan and his, uh, his second-in-charge, uh, David Schaefer. Yep. Uh, we're good friends. We catch up. The whole concept of one plus one equal three. But, uh, you know, I sent a message to David Schaefer the other day because he congratulated us about an amazing book. And I said, David, look, I mean, it feels like uh, it's been a great race, but you probably won it. But it really depends how you measure winning. Yep. If you measure it by the valuation of the company, that's great. But uh, let me tell you, I've got a lot more spare time to do whatever I want than, uh, than the two of them. But uh, look, today, catch and very, Kogan… Very, is very been... good
2: point. And, and to, yeah. I think what you're going to say is today, catch and Kogan are two of the biggest retail businesses in Australia and it's... best positioned to take on the next five years, perhaps even ahead of the biggest retailers physically in the country.
4: Look, it's unbelievable that Catch and Kogan are being mentioned in the same sentence as Amazon and eBay every single day. Yeah. Two companies that started by, you know, a couple of, uh, you know, Caulfield rejects from, the, from garages around 2006. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> wow, what, what a tremendous story.
2: And I just <coughs> want to say the book is called Catch of the Decade, How to Launch, Build and Sell a Digital Business. And most importantly, um, this is not about Gabby stuffing his pockets because they're stuffed. of the profits of this book go to the uh, good360.org and secondbyte.org, which is uh, a very noble thing to do, is just to put your story out there for no personal gain, Gabby. And I respect that greatly.
4: Uh, Thank you, Trevor. Always great to speak to an industry leader like yourself. You're
2: listening to the EFTM podcast. Trevor Long taking your calls. Any question you've got, happy to try and help. Just go to the website, EFTM.com. G'day, Terry. Hi, how are you today? Yeah, real good. What can I do for you?
0: I presently have a, an older phone. It's a Samsung S8, and I am contemplating updating it to, say, a newer version like the S20 FE. What my question is is that presently my uh, phone provider only offers me 4G, um, whereas I know that to future proof the phone, I'd much rather go to a 5G yes. phone. I just want to know if I'm wasting my money or not.
2: Uh, no, you're not, because basically a 5G. It's um, and it's not. I'm trying to think of an analogy, but there isn't really one. It's essentially, it's a, kind of like a car, right? A car can go 300 kilometres an hour, but it's only where you're allowed to do it, like on a racetrack, that you can do that. Um, so if you're with, say, Vodafone right now, um, no, not a lot of 5G around. Uh, Optus, there's a bit, but not a lot. Telstra, yeah, it's everywhere. But even a mm-hmm. Telstra customer. Right, So standing right here in the EFTM office, I'm a Telstra customer. Um, I have seen the letters 5G on my phone, but I'm getting 4G right now. So when I go home, which is like a kilometre up the road, there's 5G. It simply switches in and out as it's available. So basically what you're doing is you're buying a phone that will last you. I mean, you've kept the S8 for a few years, I'm assuming. That um, that brand new S20 FE will last you four, five years easily uh, if you look after it. And when uh, your carrier has prolific 5G near you or when you enter a 5G zone on that same carrier somewhere else, it will work. But for the rest of the time, 4G is what it will use. It's got 3G as well, probably. Uh, three, yeah. Yes, but it, it'll yes. rarely drop back to that because we really don't use that much anymore.
0: Fantastic. I can now go out and spend some money.
2: So S8 up to uh, S20 is going to be a nice jump forward for you. Is there anything else you're looking forward to other than that future-proofing? <sighs>
0: Uh, no, I'm really happy with the Samsung phones. I yep. love the way they work, very happy with that. Um, my whole family's gone to Samsung, so i uh, yep. not really happy with it, but um, yeah, I just thought if I go to the 5G future proof, yeah, it seems like the right and who way are you to with go. What's your telco wise? What's your telco? Well, I'm, I'm with um, I think it's iPrimus through um, through Optus, right? Yeah, okay, and that,
2: I think is i. No, I promise isn't only the TPG group. So yeah, look, Optus uh, have more 5G than they, they probably claim because they're doing very well with their rollout. But again, it hasn't. It's like Telstra. Boost Mobile is only on 4G because they they let they leave 5G for the big brand, and it'll be a couple mm-hmm. of years before they start letting the secondary brands sell that faster network. I think so. Yes, but that good makes news, sense. you'll be ready when they are, Terry. So good. luck Fantastic. That one. Happy. Shopping. Thank you for answering my question. My pleasure. Uh, and if you're wondering about which phone to get, to get in touch, just like Terry did. Go to the website, click Ask Trev. It's easy as that. Now, this is old news broadly for people who listen to Two Bikes Talking Tech. But um, look, I'm not a small man. Um, and I'm cool with that. I don't mind. I've always been essentially overweight. But, you know, you always look at it and go, should I be doing better? And I'll tell you what. Um, at some point earlier in the year, I went oh, i've got to do this and how I know that is I actually started uh, keeping a note I thought i'd do it daily and it was in june and I, I started off by saying something like i know I've put on weight i know i'm I'm not blind there are mirrors in my home, and my work has myself looking at myself almost daily um and I talked about how I was going to do it and that my goal was to get to um, ninety five um, and I thought that I shouldn't be um over 100 kilos by my daughter's birthday at the end of August. But I didn't make that target. But I, I did go for a walk. felt good. And I went for a walk a few days in a row. That felt good. Um, and I'd cut back on coke, which was good. But somewhere along the way, it just slipped off. And it, it wasn't a, a really a daily habit and a, and a useful thing. And it wasn't until late in, sometime in October that I went, oh, hang on a minute, that didn't go well. It didn't get out of hand, but coke consumption was my biggest problem. And hey, I'll give an example: the Friday, the Sunday night Formula One podcast. I would, you know, even if we're the races at eleven, boys get here at ten thirty. On I'd get here at eight thirty-nine to tidy up and get things ready. Uh, I'd stop at a servo buy a packet of Snakes, a chocolate, and coke, and I'd that all be gone. A full packet of Snakes, a chocolate bar, and a coke would be gone by the time eleven o'clock came. In a sitting, I could smash a packet of Valens Snakes. No dramas at all. Um, I'd never stop at a service station without buying a Coke and a chocolate for petrol, let alone stop at a service station just randomly for the same things. So that was the thing I needed to do. I needed to kill those uh, those habits, essentially. Um, but um, I did okay, but here was the, here was the big one. Um, dinners, you know, eating habits outside of snacking um, are, are a real challenge because like, I've, I know people that have tried Jenny Craig, Weight Watchers, Light and Easy – and the difference there is light and easy and Jenny Craig, they supply you food. And I'm so picky that there's just never going to be enough food for me to actually get a, get a week out of it. But I had a look at the light and easy meals and the dinners. And I went, maybe I just have a light and easy dinner every night. And I looked at the meals and the menu, and it turned out there was at least five or six, maybe ten that I would eat. I tried a couple, and they were okay. And so that's what I've been eating, light and easy meals at night. So I could control my dinner intake and try and not eat after dinner was the other big thing. Um, And it's so awesome. You just order online, comes delivered to your door. Um, It's just perfect. Um, But light and easy, killing chocolate, killing Coke. That was my mentality in versus out. I was going to try and walk a bit more as well. Now I've got uh, connected scales and have done for years. In fact, I'm pretty sure it's nearly 10 years worth of data there. Um, and so I jumped on those scales in uh, late September and I was 109.7 kilos. By the time I got to mid-October, I was 107.3. So I'd lost a couple of kilos, but let's be honest, they're the easy ones. Because I'm normally, my like plateau weight is like 106. Very hard to get over that in the past, but apparently this year, easy. So I kind of knew it'd be easy to get drop down to that. But then out of the blue, I got an email from a PR company, which I do every day, pitching me to try something, do something, eat something, you know, try a product, whatever. And this was Weight Watchers. They're they're relaunching their app and their program. Would you be willing to give it a try? Now, they didn't know that I'd started dieting. Okay. Now, I know someone that did Weight Watchers years ago. So I was across the concept, which is very different to the others. It's very much a a consumption-based Um, concept of every food you eat, everything that goes in your mouth has a point value and you just have to stay within your points, credits for the day. So I signed up, no worries. They gave me a login. I'm not paying for this. I should be clear, but uh, it's 40 bucks a month. And frankly, the way I'm going, I'm, I'm happy to pay the 40 bucks a month, no problem at all. But they gave me a login and I set up my profile. It was a very in-depth set of questions, which is part of the new app, is to ask you a lot about your lifestyle, the things that make you eat and don't, whatever, and it, it tailors a program to you. And plus, then the app is uh, very programmed and personalised for you. So it's a, it's a great little system. And it ended up I weighing what I did and being as tall as I am, um, I was given a points balance of something like 44 a day. Um, now, in a light and easy meal. It's not, I couldn't barcode scan that because you can just barcode scan a product and it'll tell you how many points it is. But you can enter in manually all the kilojoules and, and uh, you know, dietary nutritional information on the back of the packet. So a light and easy meal is 11 points. Now think about it, That's my dinner 11 points. That leaves me with some pretty good credit during the day. So for the first month of doing this, I was having probably Wheat Bix for breakfast, a Subway foot long at lunch, chicken schnitzel, and a light and easy meal. So the schnitzel's twenty points in the middle of the day, the breakfast is eight or nine points, and my dinner is eleven. I still had room for a snack in the middle of the day, but bananas were zero points, apples were zero points. That was how I was beating the cravings: was by eating apples and bananas. So I was going alright. I was doing well, um, pretty darn good. And then I thought I better. As you lose weight, you actually lose points. So I'm down to like forty two points now or something. Um, and so I've now started doing things like making that footlong a six-inch, you know, doing smart things like that. But here's the great thing. And you'll know this from listening to a Stephen Fennig. You've got to stop eating carbs, he says to me. And I, I can't because I love carbs. I love bread. I love hot chips. But I've learned what their value is. So the other night we were going out with friends. Big meal I was going to have. I, did, probably, I pre-planned I was going to have a steak and chips for dinner. And I looked at it. I knew that was going to be X number of points. So during the day I had a lighter lunch and a lighter breakfast so I could get through. Oh, I had a bad day a week or so ago mentally or you know, whatever was going on, just you know, frustrated with the day. I had a chocolate. It was nine points. Big blowout, but it didn't affect my whole day because it was within my range. Plus you get a weekly balance. It was awesome. So that's how I'm doing it. I've lost nine kilos thus far, um, but I'm at the tough end now. I need to start doing a bit more exercise to really ramp it up. But this app, the Weight Watchers app, WW, um, it tracks my sleep, my steps, my everything because it's linked to I can link it to Apple Health I can link to Things. so it has my weight built in from the Withings scales it has my steps from my Apple Watch and it has my sleep from the Withings um, sleep analyzer and it's all there in the app now it's I can see how women would love this because there's a social network involved you can post photos you can get inspirational comments and things it's I've noticed there's not a lot of men doing that and I I kind of understand why but it's basically its own little social network for you know, getting a bit of self-belief and, and getting people to jump behind what you're thinking about. And also there's there's like coaching. You can just click a button and chat with someone in the app. It's brilliant. Um, It's kind of uh, artificial intelligence to start with, but then it, it leads into um, actually having a conversation with a coach. It's really, really cool what they've done. Going from a program that years ago, 10, 20 or 20, 30 years ago, was, you know, you go to a meeting every week uh, where you weigh in, and you talk to people, blah, 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 and then you go away, and you have your diet plan. It's all app-based entirely, and it's just really, really well done. So um, that's the plan. That's the journey. Um, I don't intend to be able to think that I can lose as much weight as I've been losing over the next month or two, but I, even if I don't stay officially on the program, I now know the value of everything I eat, and it's fascinating when you realize that. And you know, smart, healthy people know that, right? But it's a different thing when you're when you're not healthy, okay? And it's a different challenge. But I was fascinated that the fact that an app can be something that I can rely on like this. And I have no problems just clicking away and um, adding in my foods. And it's actually been good to actually publish a story about it this week because now I can kind of say, oh, that's six points and I can I can openly say that. Now I was kind of hiding it, not because I was ashamed, but because it was under embargo for a start, but also just learning about it. And this is not something you do on day one and announce because if you're not going to be able to get at it, people are going to ask you how you're going. So hopefully by, you know, end of January or something, I can get down to that 95 range and and be at my, that's my goal. I don't want to be 85, even though that's healthy BMI and all that sort of stuff. That's, that to me, that's a, that's a bridge too far. I'm not interested in becoming a gym junkie. I just want to have a good life where I'm, I'm overweight, but I'm not obese and I can sleep well. Um, and I can have a longer life with my kids. Um, if I get to a point where I make a million dollars and I retire and I've got time to go to the gym, yeah, great. But right now, who knew an app could do that? So the program is called MyWW Plus. The app is just Weight Watchers. And yeah, I believe it's just like $39.50 a month for the digital version. Um, but yeah, that's probably far too much information for any one person. But um, But yeah. Really, really, uh, really, really cool stuff and uh, and quite enjoying the process. So uh, if you want to know more, always feel free to reach out and, and just hit me up on socials, at Trevor Long on Twitter, at Trevor Long AU on Instagram, and you'll find me on Facebook as well. Um, or, of course, you can go to the website, eftm.com, and click Ask Trevor. <music> Trevor Long here taking your calls. G'day, Baker. G'day, mate. How are we? Yeah, real good. What can I do for you?
1: Mate, I'm up. Uh, TV for the caravan, but I'm after a 4K TV. Oh! But my problem is, I'm um, after like a 32
3: inch.
2: Mate, 32 inch 4K TVs are almost <laughs> don't exist. To find. Well, you know That's, why? Because well, like you can't make out 4K at 32 inches in most cases. Like a television picture on a 32 inch TV, I reckon wouldn't look much better than HD versus 4K. Um, yeah. I guess. If you're into gaming, is that what you're thinking?
1: Yeah, well, gaming, streaming, yeah. you know, all the, all the hoo-ha.
2: Yeah, but
1: you can't get the. You can get like 4K monitors. Yep, but they you can't get the TV.
2: I think the reason is because you sit closer to a monitor, right? So people think, yeah. uh, think of a monitor as the thing that you sit, you know, 40 centimeters away from. Whereas a TV, you would normally be meters away from, and I genuinely don't know that you would even notice the difference, right? Um, yeah,
1: yeah, but yeah, in the caravan, the 40 inch is a little bit big. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
2: you know. And it's got to be 4K mate. Then your only option is a is a 4K monitor, but then then you're left with the problem of um power consumption. You know, 40 uh 4K monitor, even a computer monitor is probably not going to suit a you know, 12 volt power source, is it?
1: Oh, yeah, I I've, I can I've got um I can hook up the mains.
3: Right. I've oh, got the inverters. Yeah, it's, right,
1: okay. it's it's all pretty fancy. You're but not. yeah, there's. Yeah, I've got like a, a 32 inch at the moment, Kogan. Yep. And the remote control's broken in like 20 places.
2: <laughs> but, but is the remote control <laughs> the only problem with it? You can get a new remote. But
1: you don't. Yeah, but the, the pitch is not very good anyway. Yeah, right. Like, if I'm going to upgrade, I thought I might as well, you know, uh, future proof the TV.
2: Yeah. Um, if yeah. you're only doing streaming and gaming, if, yeah. do you
1: need free to wear? Oh, it's nice to have it, but I don't have to.
2: Then, I mean, you know, in an in investment, which is what it is, in a yeah, decent yeah. monitor um, is probably a great way to go. Plus, yeah. size and width-wise, I mean, you might be able to fit a wider screen in and and, and get slightly bigger than 32. Um, I, mate, I, I, honestly, the answer to your question is the reason there's no 4K TVs is because I think at that size, it's hard to discern for a TV. But knowing yeah, what yeah. you need it for, your only real option is a 4K uh, monitor.
1: Yeah, right, yeah. All right.
2: So, or, or, uh, or going 40-inch. Or, or going bigger, yeah, exactly. Now, yeah, yeah. You know, the other thing I'd be doing, I mean, I'm not into caravaning, but it's one of those fascinations that I'll probably pick up down the track once I'm allowed <laughs> to get away without the kids. Um, is, yeah. is, 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 there, is, is there any in, innovative mounting systems, like, that can kind of store it away and have it come out for when you need it as opposed to well, it being in a specific spot?
1: Um, like, you know, hanging
2: from the roof and sliding down, or you know, um, yeah,
1: I, I can, I can,
2: like that. That's I what got, I'd be thinking. I'd be thinking How I've can got, I be using a big screen in a different way.
1: Yeah, because I, I've, I can um, hook it up to the wall, mm. but because I don't, it, I don't travel too much. It's just more of a, you know, place a cabin yep. sit for three months, and then move on.
2: So, is it a tow along, or have you got a motorhome?
1: Ah, uh, it's uh, just eighteen foot. Jeez. Uh, cabin. Yeah, that's yeah.
2: You're not mucking around, are you?
1: No, oh, mate. It's my house. What do you do? <laughs> I'm a baker. You literally a baker. name. I'm a baker. Yeah. Oh, Okay. Yeah.
2: So that's not your real first name, then?
1: No, no, no. It's just what everyone calls me.
2: And so, <laughs> do you do you go from town to town just picking up baking jobs?
1: Yeah, well, yeah. I try to just put um help out wherever I can, you know. What a life. Yeah, it is. It is. It's good to get um, knowledge from the older older generation out there.
2: Yeah, and, and in travelling around, you'd come across some, some solid knowledge, wouldn't you? My, my nephew's just started his apprenticeship as a baker. Uh, oh, mate. It's my, the easiest
1: job in the world.
2: Well, and so my mum's partner's a baker as well, and yeah. uh, I, I did a bit of baking back in the day. Um, uh, I worked at Baker's Delight at Woi Woi, and uh, yeah. this, you'll love this one. We had a bakery called the Hard Rock Bakery in Long Bay <laughs> Jail.
1: Oh, nice. Yeah, That's so been all right. Using
2: prison labor. Well, it was fine, but I was like 15 at the time going down on the weekends yeah. to work. And you're thinking, who's this bloke I'm making focaccia with? Turns out he's a friggin' axe murderer. Oh, uh, well. Killed someone with a shovel or something, you know. So it was, a, it was an yeah. eye-opening experience. But yeah. you know, you're absolutely spot on. You know, my favorite thing about um, recommending someone be a baker is we're always going to need food. And bread yeah. is always that kind of staple, uh, affordable <laughs> supply. Like it's it, basically employment for life if you're willing. Yeah,
1: that's. I've always say, I always say it's the food of God. <laughs>
2: there You go exactly. You know, you, you need you, know, you, you need to marry a, marry someone who's into into vineyards, mate, and you'll be uh, you'll have both oh, ends covered.
1: <laughs> yeah, don't, don't, yeah, don't. Yeah, I won't go to work then.
2: <laughs> but yeah, all right, mate. All right, mate. Um, well, good luck. For,
1: um, can, yeah. quick quick one. Forty inch TV. What would you recommend in the four K? That's not Kogan.
2: Mate, I, you know, if you want to go outside of that that house brand stuff, then I'd be looking at what Samsung and LG have at that entry level because yeah. even, even though it's not their latest, you know, OLED or QLED, like the what they're doing now with nanoparticles and stuff in their low-end TVs are excellent. So yeah. because yeah. of what you want to do with it, I'd be erring on yeah. LG and and Samsung stop yeah. lots of apps, great interactivity, full connectivity, and, yeah, and you're running. Well, do you have Wi-Fi in the in the van? Yeah, permanently? yeah, yeah,
1: what? yeah. I've I've got my neck gear mesh. Well,
2: you're gonna need mesh in a caravan.
1: Yeah, man. Yeah, because if I walk, I walk away from the caravan and have uh-huh. you know go down to the creek or whatnot for fish. Yeah, I've got it, it goes forever. Bloody hell, that's genius. Yeah. you are you living know. the life, mate. It's good. Nice when you get an inheritance.
2: All right, mate. Well, good luck, and right, Enjoy, man. and I uh, hope you can find the solution, mate. Send us a photo no and you mate. end up uh, solving the problem, mate. I don't want to see it.
1: No. All right, mate. No worries. Thank All you. All right, buddy.
2: Cheers. Um, he's living the life, isn't he? Eh? Um, I knew his name wasn't Baker, and I'll, I'll tell you why I knew his name wasn't Baker, because on the email, his first name was Baker, B-A-K-E-R. Like, I don't know anyone that's got that first name. Second name, B-O-I, Boy, Baker Boy. Like, there was a big chance that was a prank call. <laughs> I just knew his name wasn't Baker anyway look I don't really care what your name is if you've got a question I'm happy to help
1: it might sound crazy what I'm about to say
0: but trivel-
2: thank you for listening lovely to have your company today on the show and all the calls I got to to those I couldn't get to apologies again a, a couple of WA people um, I guess 8 o'clock in the morning there is a tough time to answer your phone but that's okay we'll get to you or you'll hear me on 6 PR this afternoon um, great to have your company as always get in touch anytime you like about anything you like um, hit me up at EFTM.com we'll talk to you again very very soon it's been lovely chatting once again and let's all do it again real soon <music>